Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to go Inside EMS. And I got to tell you, we're coming to you with a special edition of Inside EMS today. And we awake on this Friday morning to hear the horrible news out of Dallas, Texas. You know, a lot of concern that comes out of Dallas, Texas, when we think about our first responder brethren and uh, making sure that they're safe. And of course, everyone from EMS One, for Kelly Grayson and myself, our prayers go out to the the families over there in Dallas, Texas. And, you know, we've got some brave responders. As you watch the things that are going on on the news this morning, it's just horrifying to see that these police officers, they're running towards the gunfire from an elevated position. And these are true heroes. And, and certainly we are watching what's going on in Dallas, Texas. And we wanted to bring you this special edition of Inside EMS. Well, joining me this morning is Editor-in-Chief Greg Fries. Greg, come on in here and uh, let's get your thoughts on what's going on. Well, thanks, Chris. My thoughts uh, as well with the uh, police officers in Dallas and the entire uh, public safety community, the terrible tragedy. You mentioned 11 officers were shot. Five of those were fatal, six officers injured. And it could be that uh, I'm seeing some breaking news alerts that there might have been a couple of bystanders or protesters or civilians that were shot as well, uh, but just really a, a terrible tragedy. The thing that's on my mind this morning, Chris, is that you know Dallas wasn't the only city last night that experienced protests, and I think some of these are in reaction to the uh, the officer-involved shootings that happened in Louisiana and Minnesota earlier this week, and I think it's reasonable to assume that protests will either continue tonight or tomorrow night in other cities across the nation and or maybe not tonight or tomorrow night but you know a month from now or six months from now uh... protesters will take to the streets over some uh, over some issue that's uh, they feel important and strongly about and in those at those same times not only will police officers uh, be called into action but also ems providers and the reason that I want to speak with you is that, you know, a few years ago when the protests and riots were ongoing in Ferguson, uh, you played a really important role as the EMS chief at Christian Hospital and your personnel on standby and caring uh, for people that were injured during those protests. And I, you know, I know you've uh, written about this and talked about it for a few times. But it's, you know, front and center on my mind and I hopefully on the minds of EMS leaders everywhere. I guess just first give us a a quick recap, Chris, of what your role was and what uh, Christian Hospital was doing during the Ferguson protests. And then we'll get into your recommendations, things that EMS chiefs should be doing today to prepare uh, their personnel to be present at protests. And I got to tell you, I mean, I think those are really great questions. You know, first off, I think the thing that I try to share with people the most is this was just an ordinary Saturday. You know, I was mowing the lawn. I was getting ready to wash the dog. I was, you know, at this point of the day before I got called, I was ready to crack open an adult beverage as I was getting ready to put some lunch on the barbecue. And, and I think that the message there is that your everyday, your ho-hum, your mundane could very, very quickly turn into an international event. 
And you have to be able to to constantly be diligent to make certain that your people are going to be as ready as you can. Now, can I say that our people was as ready as they can be when it came to dealing with the issues that happened in Ferguson, Missouri? I'm going to say that the answer is no, because I didn't expect anything like that to happen. But this was just a normal day running average calls, you know, dealing with the schedule, dealing with the maintenance of the trucks, dealing with all the all the minutia of our jobs. And all that stuff had to be pushed aside because now we were thrust right in the middle of this uh, horrible crisis in Ferguson. You know, so all of a sudden you're in the uh, the middle of it. Uh, what were some of the like immediate things that you know you were trying to put into place to make sure your personnel were ready, available, and sort of aware that the protests and riots were bigger than just, you know, a local event, like you mentioned, an international event. Right. And, you know, it took me a while to get to the thought of it being an international event, but I arrived on scene about three hours after the shooting. And one of the things that I found important is we were in a staging area because where the shooting occurred in the Canfield Apartments, um, there was a crowd of about 500 people now that were getting very, very rowdy. And the police said, you know, for your own safety, why don't you go stage a little bit away? So we staged about a mile, a mile and a half away. But when I arrived on scene in our staging area, in our safe area, Greg, there were armored vehicles. There were, uh, three news cameras. There were about 250 protesters in that safe zone. And immediately when I got on scene, I noticed that the ambulances were in a place that they were they were going to get blocked in and we weren't going to be able to use them. I was worried now about uh, conflict happening in our safe zone. So right. initially, there's so much stimulus that's going on in my head of ABCD that I was really kind of confused with all of the... You know, all of the information I was trying to process and trying to answer questions and, and trying to quell the, the already the stress of the EMS workers that were on scene. And, you know, someone came right up to me, uh, you know, a younger paramedic and said, I am well out of my comfort zone here, chief. What, what do I do? And I now have to try to help them get through this as well. And so initially, when these things start to happen, you're flooded with information. You got to try to process it and prioritize it as best you can, as quickly as you can. Anything that comes to mind of like how an EMS leader could start prioritize, where did you start or where would you want, you know, now that you've had the experience, how would you prioritize differently to work through all, all that information that's flooding towards you and the stress that's coming with it? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I, one of the things that kept coming back to me, Greg, was safety. It was, it was, you know, we, we do it. I mean, we drum it into our heads, scene safety, uh, you know, those types of things. So initially it was safety of the crew is what kept popping into my head as a priority. The next thing was the resources. Are the trucks going to ha- be able to have good ingress and good egress uh, if they needed to come in and out of that area? So initially it was the employees to making sure that they were as safe as they can be. The next thing was the resources to make sure that we weren't blocked in by tactical vehicles, by police uh, cars, by even by protesters. And oh, I moved those resources around as quickly as practical. And then I needed to give some 
you know, a situational awareness to the, the people that were on scene. You know, one of the things that I talked about with them very, very quickly was how does EMS providers deal with these stressful situations? Well, usually they use their humor and the, the group was in a circle and there was a couple smiles and a couple laughs. And, you know, it was really you could feel their, you know, you could feel their fear uh, as they were doing it. And very quickly I said, now, you know, look at what we're doing and we're going to be in the public eye. We may be on camera. We don't want to show these smiles. Remember now, we've got to think right. about doing the best job that we can. We've got to not only represent our organization, but we got to represent our career field as well. You know, we hear all these, you know, uh, Kelly Grayson calls it uh, EMTs behaving badly stories that give EMS <laughs> a black eye. Yeah. And one of the things that I wanted to get across to the group very quickly was we got to do our jobs better and cleaner than the next guy. And I think yeah. that that worked out well. And one of the things that I'm wondering about, Chris, too, is okay, your communications with law enforcement. You know, what were some of the, the takeaways from that incident? And, you know, what would you advise EMS leaders, you know, this morning and this weekend as they are coordinating and communicating with law enforcement um, to because I think that's a really important part of an effective response, right? Is you got to be in the right place and then you got to know where to go, how to get there and what to do. And so can you speak to that, the communications piece and that coordination with law enforcement? Yeah, I think that that's very important. One of the things that from the very, very first minutes, Greg, that I was on scene, you know, we've all been to the, you know, the incident command classes and, and we're all using those, you know, the, that model when it comes up for mass casualties and so on. From the very, very beginning of the Ferguson event, I kept asking, who's in charge here? Who's in charge here? Who's in charge here? I wanted to get to unified command so we were able now to make the determination of how we're going to move forward. And I could tell you, one of the failures of the, of the Ferguson event was that we didn't have strong unified command till probably day seven. And it was a constant piecemeal of information between the, the fire departments and the police departments and the county police departments, then eventually the state police and the FBI. And there was no clear delineation of leadership. There was no clear delineation of good communication or interoperability. And this was a challenge for us. And, you know, we kept asking the questions, why did we go to all these classes if we're not putting this structure <laughs> yeah. into place? But so my recommendation right. based on that experience is if you find yourself in the middle of an event similar to this, stop and determine unified command, determine your communication modes, determine how information is going to funnel, and put that in place as soon as you can. Because the deeper that you get into the incident, the more challenges you're going to have with finding out the information. And one of the, one of the errors that I did, Greg, and I'm happy to share that with you, is because we weren't receiving good information from the top down, I had no information to share with my workforce. Well, the right. workforce started to feel frustration because they assumed I was holding the information and not giving it to them. So very, very quickly, I had to go ahead and change my approach to give them whatever information that I had. You know, I just had nothing to tell them. So, you know, we put in place some... Um, some opportunities to share information in the mornings and in the afternoons. And even if it was nothing, it was, I have nothing new to report. 
But one of my failures were was because I wasn't getting information, I wasn't sharing anything with the workforce, and uh, those are the guys that were on the front lines. You know, and it, just in the couple of years that have passed since then, I think one of the biggest changes would be the workforce, not only would they be getting frustrated with the lack of information, but then they will be seeking it out. And the amount of uh, streaming video that's coming out on social networks through, you know, from people that are actually in the hot zone, if you will, I think our EMS colleagues would be potentially sitting in the staging area watching those live streaming videos, uh, not only frustrated of they're not getting information, but then potentially seeing uh, points of view from the hot zone that either make the, the scene look worse than it might be or or better than it might be, depending on the point of view that they're looking at, uh, if somebody's streaming with Facebook or Periscope or something like that. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because one of the things in the absence of information, people are going to have their own information. And social media mm-hmm. played such a big role in the rumors, played such – I mean – you know, we heard that the you know the Ku Klux Klan was showing up, and that ISIS was showing up, and the Black Panthers were coming. And you know, we had a closed Facebook page that we used for communication, Greg. That is really a great tool. And I finally had to get on the page because you know the the you know the the workforce is trying to communicate with each other. To said, I just heard this, and be careful. And it wasn't malicious yeah. by any means, you know. And I finally had to get on and said, look, there's a lot of rumor and conjecture that's going on. I'll go ahead and verify, but let's stop posting these things and let's just post the things that we know are true. Now, with that said, right. I, I want to give this little piece of tidbit as well to the you know EMS providers out there and the EMS chiefs that are out there, is that one of the things, another failure that we had uh, in the Ferguson event from my office was we weren't monitoring the, the social media sites. And that's where a lot of coordination was coming in. That's where a lot of, you know, the cops are down here at the corner of blank and blank. Let's go ahead and move up to this corner. So being able to play that chess game and stay ahead of what's going on, that's the communication mode. So if there's, you know, local Facebook pages or if there's local Twitter feeds, try to monitor those and try to stay on top of, of what people are saying and Keep your your resources and keep your workforce out of those areas uh, and put them into safe areas where there may be some violence that may be coming up and uh, happening. Yeah, Chris, I just have two things uh, left here. I want to revisit. You mentioned the staging area that you were directed to and then the fact that, uh, you know, there's all sorts of uh, police vehicles in there and then also uh, media and protesters. And, you know, that's a, a, a pretty in- intriguing or worrying thing for me that probably because the amount of attention that's being paid to the hot zone that, uh, you know, and then resources being directed to a staging area that we might not have considered the need for security of a staging area. And, and then, you know, I think I, I could imagine myself thinking like, gosh, this seems pretty selfish that I would be asking the police to guard the staging area when the police are needed in the hot zone. But how did you make sure or what recommendations would you have for EMS leaders to not only pre-plan, but then during an incident, make sure that the staging area is secure for 
the EMS personnel and the other resources that are being sent to staging. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And, you know, especially now, you know, when you look at what happened in Dallas, where you have 11 officers, you know, five were killed, six were injured. You know, I got to be honest with you, in a situation where you have that many police officers wounded, is their main concern going to be the the safety of EMS providers? Well, the answer may be yes. But uh, if we go to our experiences of when we've dealt with officers shot on scene, there is no bigger thing that they're worried about than their brethren that are laying on the floor and bleeding. So that's right. one thing to think about. But from the, from the staging areas, if you're put in an area where uh, you should be safe and things start to build up, I, I don't even know that I want force protection there, Greg. I would almost recommend that we take the resources and move them further away where there is no yeah. uh, protesters going on. Because look at what happened here in Dallas. And and I'll give you the Ferguson event as well in the November incident when the grand jury came back. There were two officers that were shot from a, a sniper that was two blocks away in the Ferguson event. Um, so, so you're, you think you're in a safe area and, and what we're seeing now is we're seeing these cowards who are shooting police officers from elevated positions. It doesn't make a difference where you are if there's force protection. Now we've got to worry about the long gun. And I would just recommend yeah. that if you're in a position where there's protesters, take those resources out of there and move them two blocks further, three blocks further, yeah. put them where you need to put them so they're not in harm's way. Chris, I think that and then just the point you made about the importance of uh, ingress and egress for vehicles um, and, you know, a really important piece of uh, situational awareness for the crew in the ambulance of, you know, what are my options, uh, right, left, forward, backwards, uh, if, if the scene moves. Where do I move myself and my partner and my vehicle um, to keep us having options? My final question for you, Chris, is you know, just at what point do you think a, a, a leader needs to be thinking about taking an ambulance out of the sort of like regular sort of availability for the regular 911 and intra-facility calls and putting that ambulance on standby for, uh, you know, the, if there's a protest going on, you know, at, at what point do you start uh, positioning or dedicating an ambulance resource and crew to uh, standby in case of injury, not only for police, but civilians? Yeah, and I think that was one of the hard things that I needed to come up with, Greg, was, um, we still had a we still had a business to run. We still had a system to run. There were, right. there, were there were people right. who were on the far ends of the coverage area that needed to still receive the best uh, and highest quality of care that they can, regardless of what was going on in in the Ferguson area. And but the the way that I used it as a gauge was I, I used it as a you know a typical um, busy day in EMS. So if we started to come up on more calls than those ambulances that you know, so I allotted two ambulances to that event, and then eventually five ambulances to that event at all times. Now, as soon as I started to lose those resources out of there, I now started to think of the chess game of thinking two and three moves ahead. 
to say, you know what, that transfer is not important right now. And then I eventually called uh, our peer agencies to say, can you help us with these transfers while we're down here dealing with this event? And they were very, very helpful as we were now trying to manage that event. So I would give you the, the advice to say, if your resources that you can allot there are now being pulled in a lot of different directions, you've got to be prepared to move other resources in there, call a mass casualty incident, get your peer organizations around uh, from around you in there, and, and try to utilize uh, those resources as best you can. But, you know, I got to say, Greg, I mean, when we sit here in front of this chessboard, you know, to, to think of when you should do it, it really has to come down to those specific times of when you're ready to move right. those pieces. And I, I just want to give you just one more of yeah. one more piece of Please. information as we go back to the staging area. One of the challenges that I think that we had in Ferguson was uh, the coverage area that Christian Hospital was uh, responsible for. It was kind of a rough area. I mean, it was it was urban. It was uh, you know there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of shootings and a lot of stabbings and a lot of assaults and so this was an area where the workforce felt a little bit bulletproof because they were the ones that were going in and they were helping yeah. the people when they needed to be helped. So we weren't really part of the targets when people would uh, have challenges we'd walk right into a shooting scene almost with the you know with the superman mentality on our chest and we were not worrying or we were not fearful for our safety now the challenge is is when something like this happens the workforce isn't assimilating now that this is a rough area and this is a rough situation because they're dealing with it every day and now right. we had to go ahead and pull them and rein them in to say, wait a minute, this isn't an ordinary event, and don't be complacent with what's been happening throughout your career here. You've got to now be on right. a more heightened sense of security or a sense of awareness for your own security. And I think that was one of the challenges we had to overcome as well. Well, Chris, thanks so much for uh, for this special edition of the Inside EMS podcast from EMS One. You know, your experiences and willingness to share both the successes and challenges and mistakes you made uh, several years ago in Ferguson and then encourage EMS leaders um, and field personnel to be prepared to respond to uh, protests and mass violence in their communities. I think it's really important and appreciated. And I just want to uh, reiterate uh, my thoughts and concerns and uh, best wishes for the families and of the police officers in Dallas um, and, of course, the entire public safety community uh, is mourning them today and honoring their service. Uh, so, Chris, thanks so much, uh, you know, and I guess to you for any final thoughts. Thank you, Greg. And I got to tell you, I mean, this, this is really what makes EMS One, you know, a, a great uh, resource is that, you know, we're, we're on here early in the morning and we we're talking about eight o'clock in the morning. You were coordinating this from seven o'clock in the morning. We want to be able to bring you the latest. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take mm -hmm. a page for my partner, Kelly Grayson, right here. And he was unable to join us this morning. But, you know, we, we want to know what you think, you know. So when this is posted, right. Go ahead and add your comments, add your concerns, and let's try to get some dialogue going because you guys that are out there, you EMS providers that are out there, are the ones that we have to worry about. Share your thoughts, share your comments, share your concerns, and if you need to, you can email us at the show at ems1.com. And for Kelly Grayson, for Greg Freeze, I'm Chris Subalero. We want everybody to be safe out there, and we'll talk to you again real soon. <laughs>